good morning, LifePoint. My name is Corey, and I serve as the teaching pastor at our Plain City campus. And I've just recently passed one year on staff, so they haven't figured it out yet, right? Okay? I've snuck under the radar, okay? So, so great to be with you. And um, what's really neat, it was last December that uh, stood on this stage with my, my wife and my two sons. I think I have a picture of us up here to share with, with y'all. Um, my wife, my two sons, Kelly, uh, my wife, Brayden, and, and Noah. Um, there we go. Here, I'm going to get out of the way. Look at that. That's our, that's our best. That, that's, that's the five minutes of our family looking normal, right? Um, Noah is there on the left. Brayden is there on the right. Um, Noah, sole purpose right now, he's about a half inch shorter than me. He wants to pass me up. He was sick all last week, laid out on the couch, better this weekend. He stood up for like the first time, walked in the kitchen, and I'm like, you're an inch taller than me. So I don't know what happened. Merry Christmas to him. My oldest son, Brayden, there, we're sitting at the dinner table last night, and, and he looks at me, he's like, Dad, you're, you're teaching in Lewis Center. And I was like, yeah. He's like, are you nervous? And I'm like, no, why should I be? He's like, it's only like a thousand more people than in Plain City, right? I'm like, what are you doing, man? Like, come on, like lift me up a little bit. Well, they're at Plain City today serving, um, but I'm just really grateful to be with you. I wanna let you know God's activity in, in Plain City has been awesome. He's been blessing us and he's been growing us. And I just wanted to stop for a moment today to say thank you. To say, to say thanks to all of you because this is our sending campus. This is the campus we were sent out of to go plant Plain City. And so I wanna say thank you for, for all of the prayers and, and all of the support and all of the love and all of the blessings you have provided to get LifePoint Plain City going. So thank you this morning from the bottom of my heart, from my, my family's heart, we're, we're so thankful for y'all. And so with that, if you're new to, to LifePoint today, right, kind of being a new guy myself, I wanna let you know you're, you're in the right spot. God has you here um, on, on purpose. We are one church over many campuses and that you're in a place that seeks to, to draw life from God, to point others to him, to be a church where, where no one walks alone. So if you're new this morning, I wanna invite you just to do one thing. Go ahead and grab your phone and, and on your phone, open up your web browser and type in lpguest.com lpguest.com, or you, you can take kind of the easy route and just scan that QR code at the back of the chair in front of you. That's gonna take you to some helpful resources this morning. It's gonna take you to message notes uh, for today. It'll have some scripture, some points, and a spot for you to take your own notes and send them to yourself later. Um, it will also take you to a digital guest card that will take you less than 60 seconds to fill out. And at the bottom of that uh, digital guest card are five ministries that we partner with. And you pick one that means the most to you and we'll make an additional $5 donation in your honor just for being here today. That way you can do something good and kind during this Christmas season. So grateful you are here. As most of you know, last week we started our brand new series called Uncommon Crown for the Christmas season. And, and we're discussing how God reveals his king, Jesus, to the world, and how God chose to personally break into human history as an atypical king through an uncommon crown. And, and, and our big idea for this entire series is that Jesus came into the world to establish his kingdom in our hearts. That Jesus came into this world, he came to this earth, like we were singing about this morning, to establish his kingdom in our hearts. And I think that's so important for us to remember, especially during this, this Christmas season, because 
Christmas season is a time where most of society, unlike any other time of the year, kind of elevates Jesus a little bit more or, or recognizes Jesus in a way that they, they wouldn't otherwise do the rest of the year, right? Folks love baby Jesus in the manger. The nativity sets come out in homes and out on front lawns. Folks are okay with singing Christmas songs about Jesus. You can turn on radio stations that would never mention the name of Jesus, yet we're singing Christmas songs about him. And folks are celebrating and recognizing the birth of Jesus during this time of the year. But let's just be honest, I don't know if you're a little bit like me. Sometimes Jesus, the one whom this season is all about, he can kind of get lost in the shuffle of things, can't he? He can get lost in the, the shuffle of the lights and, and the presents and the trees and the, the shopping and the snow and the family gatherings and of course, the Hallmark movies, right? Okay, he kind of gets lost in all that stuff. And, and Jesus, the, the one who's come to establish his kingdom in, in, our, in our hearts and our lives, right, kind of just gets blended into the background of Christmas or the wallpaper of Christmas. He just kind of becomes a, a part of all that's going on instead of the part, right? And last week, we, we looked at the Old Testament and we went to the book of Isaiah where it spoke of this coming king, Jesus, who would have the government upon his shoulders, who would be wonderful counselor, he would be mighty God, he would be everlasting father and, and prince of peace. Well, today we're gonna jump into the, the New Testament and we're gonna look at the lineage and the, the pedigree, the ancestry.com of God revealing Jesus as king. So I wanna invite you, if you have your Bible or your Bible app, go ahead and find Matthew chapter one and verse one. Matthew chapter one and verse one. And as you're making your way there and we prepare to jump into this family history of Jesus, I couldn't help but think about my family history. Not that there's any kingly lineage there or anything like that, but, but I come from a long line of Italians on both sides of the family. I come from DeCaros and Zitos and Denanos. It's all over the place, right? And growing up, my grandpa Zito, he would always, always kind of sit me on his knee and he would say, Corey, you are an Italian. You are 100% Italian. He would tell me that all the time, right? Now, here's kind of the crazy thing. That wasn't the truth, right? That wasn't the truth at, at all, right? We had some German and some European in our background. We even had some Bohemian in our, our background, right? And my mom would be like, she would be telling my grandfather, dad, stop doing that. Like, that's not the truth. Don't tell that. And he would be like, shh, shh just don't pay attention to your mother. And he'd lean even a little closer and he'd be like, you are Italian through and through. Now here's the hilarious thing about all of it, right? Guess who broke the Italian 100% lineage line? My grandfather, right? When he married my grandmother, he's the one who married the German and the Bohemian and the European, right? So it was always hilarious, but this has kind of made me think about growing up and we get to Matthew chapter one and we get this picture of Jesus's family history. And Matthew, unlike my grandfather, he doesn't hold anything back. In verse one, Matthew writes this. He says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham. And Abraham was the father of Isaac and Isaac was the father of Jacob and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers and Judah the father of Perez. And if you think I'm gonna read through the rest of these names, mispronouncing them and stumbling through them, it's not gonna happen, all right? What Matthew gives us here, he gives us 16 verses 
He gives us the family lineage of Jesus, the family phone book of Jesus with you, the pedigree of Jesus, of verifying Jesus's line to the throne as the promised and the rightful king of God's people and God's kingdom. Now, Matthew gives us this line to the throne on Joseph's side here, not, not Mary's. And Matthew wrote his gospel to present Jesus as king, to show that Old Testament prophecy was, was fulfilled in Jesus. And if you were to read through the gospel of Matthew, you would see this, this common phrase that Matthew uses to, to show all this. He would say, all was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoke by the prophet. Matthew was continually trying to show that Jesus answered the Old Testament prophecies. And he was doing so to convince his Jewish audience that Jesus truly was the Christ, that Jesus was the Messiah. Now, I just stop for a moment and, and, and pause on the word Christ, because I think most of us say Jesus Christ, and we think, oh, Christ is Jesus's last name. Christ is not Jesus's last name, all right? Christ means anointed one. It means the chosen one. It means the Messiah. Jesus, it's like saying Jesus, the chosen one, right? When we say Jesus Christ, it's Jesus, the anointed one, or Jesus, the Messiah. And this was a big deal, especially for the Jewish people because this promised Messiah from the Old Testament, he would be the, the king of kings. He would restore the glories of the kingdom. He would elevate Israel to the head of, of the nations. And this king would, would reign over all the earth and he would put an end to, to Roman rule and he would bring blessing to all mankind. And this was huge for the nation of Israel. This was huge for the Jewish people because you see their history, they had faced captivity and, and their, their promised land was now being ruled by other nations. They, they had no king. They, they, had no, they had no throne. They were oppressed by the Roman government. And on top of it, as we open up the, the gospel of Matthew here today, God had been silent for 400 years. And so they were desperately longing for this coming king that God had promised from the Old Testament, that, that through Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation, that all the families and the nations of the earth would be blessed, that through King David would come a savior, the Messiah to sit on the rightful throne. So Matthew begins here in verse one and he says, hey, here is the genealogy of Jesus, the Christ, God's promised one, the Messiah that you've been waiting for, the son of David and the son of Abraham. And this long list of names that we so often just breeze through or skip over when reading our Bible, what Matthew does is he traces and he connects Jesus all the way back to David, showing and proving the link to the Hebrew royal family, the right to the throne. What Matthew traces and connects back to in, in these names here in Matthew chapter one, he traces Jesus back to the seed of Abraham whom all nations would be blessed, showing and proving the link to the, the racial family, the right to the throne. And see, this was huge for the Jewish people because if you couldn't prove this royal and racial lineage back to Abraham and to David, there's no way they would believe that would be the Messiah. They, would no way, they wouldn't believe that that's the person who had the right to the throne. It would be impossible to convince a, a Jewish person that Jesus was Messiah unless he could be tied back to David and, and Abraham. And Matthew lays out all this evidence here in the genealogy of, of Jesus. Matthew's saying, hey, Jesus is the king and the royal line comes to, to fruition in him. 
But as we read this, I ask the question, what does it mean for, for you and I today? I think it means this. When I, when I read this and we go through all of Old Testament and, he, and God's silent for 400 years and all of a sudden he, he's like, I'm starting things back up again. And in Matthew chapter one, this genealogy shows us this. It shows us that God always keeps his promises, that God always keeps his word. That as Matthew writes to God's people here in, in Matthew chapter one, and he gives this lineage and this genealogy, all was lost for the Jewish people. The royal line they thought had been vanquished. They thought God had forgotten his promises. They thought God wouldn't come through. After all, he'd been quiet for, for 400 years. And Matthew with this verse one says, not so fast, my friends. And he begins sharing name after name after name, showing Jesus's rightful tie to the throne. And he's proving that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament prophecy. And he's proving to those who he's writing to, and he's proving to us who read this today, that God always keeps his promises, that God always keeps his, his word, that if God says it, then that settles it. That God does not forget, like, like Colby was talking about earlier, that God has a plan even if it takes centuries to work through, God has a plan and he is always faithful to carry that out. I wanna ask you, have, have you experienced this in your life? Maybe you're sitting here today and you've had seasons or you've had moments where you have been clinging to the promises of God, but then God seemed far away. He seemed like he wasn't answering. He seemed like he wasn't listening to you and that he wouldn't come through but then all in a moment, he showed up. He kept his promise. He, he kept his word. And it was like in that moment, all of a sudden for you, it's God saying, hey, here I am. I have not forgotten about you. I am here with you that I got you and I will not leave you. Maybe you're in one of those seasons right now where God seems far away or, or he seems silent right now. And you've been praying for healing over a sickness or restoration for a friendship. Or maybe you've been praying for that prodigal son or daughter to come home. Or you've been praying for someone to come to know Christ. Or you've just been praying for, I, I need some people. I need community. I, find, I need a place to, to belong. I feel so alone right now, God. And you know what God's word says. You know that he says he'll never leave you and, and he'll never forsake you. You know that he says he'll go before you and that he is with you. You know that he'll finish the good work in you, that he's begun and that he leaves the 99 to go get that one. You know that God's word says, hey, train the your child up in the way that they should go. And when they get older, they, they won't depart from it and that he heals the broken and he desires all to be saved. But none of these things seem possible right now. It seems like he's forgotten. Numbers 23, 19 in the Bible says this, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? God always keeps his promises. And let me just say, the delayed promises of God, although they exercise our patience, they do not weaken God's promises in our lives. And sometimes the, God's promises are met on this side of heaven. And sometimes, as hard as it can be, they're met 
on the other side of heaven. But he always keeps his promises. And if today you find yourself asking God, where are you? Or the next time you find yourself in the future asking God, where are you? These opening verses in Matthew that we often skip through remind us and they encourage us that we have a faithful God who always keeps his word. Matthew then moves forward and he he gives us name after name tracing Jesus's kingly genealogy. And here's the deal. A a genealogy back in Jesus's day was, was like a resume. It was how a person would show their worth and value to the world. And so just like today, back then, resumes were often kind of uh, doctored and fudged a little bit, right? If you've ever put together a a resume, you know this to be true, right? On your resume, you're putting your your best accomplishments. You're putting the things you want to show everyone else. You're not putting on your resume, ah, I I failed that project that one time, and my boss and I have had a few run-ins. That's not going on your resume, right? In in life, right, when we meet with others, we always tell them our, our best moments or how amazing our kids are at sports. We never tell them our failures. We never say, well, you know, my kid kind of blew it in the game last week. It was, that was my kid, right? He had no clue what he was doing. We tell stories of years gone by. I don't know if you're like me. If I tell stories of years gone by, I become a little bit better and better and better the older I get how I was back in my 20s. We exaggerate all those stories. And of course we know, right, social media, we put our best lives on social media and it's just not, the, the truth, right? We, we don't have it all, all together. And so why do we do that? We do that to, to just prove and, and show our worth to everyone around us. Well, that's exactly what you'd expect from a kingly resume or a kingly genealogy. You'd expect this glorious pedigree, the best of the best. You'd expect it to prove the right to the, the, the title or the throne, to make a claim to the throne. And in one sense, that's exactly what these 16 verses do. But would anyone let alone a king, want this pedigree, this lineage, this resume that Matthew lists here. I say that because this list of names, this genealogy, this resume is full of messed up people, y'all. It's full of sinful people. It's full of scandalous people. It's full of evil people. Look at verse two with me, if you will. It says, Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Abraham, although one of the patriarchs and the founders of our faith, I don't know about you, I have a tendency to read the Bible and I put everybody in the Bible way up here, but I often forget how they're just like you and I. Abraham, this founder of the faith, right? He repeatedly lied about his wife, Sarah, being his sister to save his own hide as he kind of moved around the land. Abraham had a promise from God that God would bring him a son through Sarah, but he chose not to believe God. He said, you know what I'll do? I'll get this promise worked out on my own. I'll go find another woman and have have a son with her. That was Abraham. Jacob in this list here, well, Jacob goes to elaborate lengths to to trick and lie to his father, Isaac, and he cons his brother out of his birthright. In addition to outright lying, Jacob often practiced deceit and scheming and manipulation to reach his desired ends. And as he got older, he played favorites with his sons, which led to huge family issues. Speaking of his sons, that's Judah and his brothers that are listed here. They sold their brother Joseph into slavery, then 
concocted some plan, went back home to dad and said, well, you know what, Joseph got killed. Um, he, he's, he's dead, sorry, dad. And they kept that lie up for years and years and years. Talk about a dysfunctional family. Verse three, it says, Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Tamar is a woman who tricked her father-in-law into impregnating her by dressing up like a prostitute. Right, y'all gotta read your Bibles. There's some stuff in there, I'm telling you. Verse five, it says, Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David the king. There's that tie back. And y'all are getting me to say these names one way or another, I see. It says, David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Here we get three women. We get Rahab, we get Ruth, and the wife of Uriah is Bathsheba. Rahab was a prostitute, Ruth was an outsider, and Bathsheba committed adultery with David. Speaking of David, David committed adultery with Bathsheba. Bathsheba was David's friend, Uriah's wife. And to cover it all up, David works up this plan to kill Uriah, his friend. And this family genealogy here goes on and on, and it describes even wicked and, and godless kings in Israel's history. This is not the resume you want as a king. This is not the resume any of us would approve for a king. But here's what I realized in studying for this this week. This is exactly the resume all of us needed in a king. It's exactly the resume all of us needed in a king because this shows that Jesus and the gospel are for everyone. This shows us that Jesus and the gospel are for everyone. This family lineage shows us John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm so grateful that when God says something, he means what he says. So when he says the world, he means the whole world. And when he says whoever, he means whoever, regardless of your background, regardless of your past. Dean often says it like this. He says, everyone is John 3, 16 worthy. And this genealogy shows us just that. That means today, if your story, if your story is one of brokenness and mistakes and hopelessness and things you've, you'd love to erase from your past, you can come to Jesus, the King who understands. That means some of us today who are dealing with, with dysfunctional situations that we're walking through the mess of life or family or we're wrestling with sin or we're we wanna hide our past. This genealogy shows us that God does not try to cover up the brokenness of Jesus' lineage because it shows us that Jesus takes on even the greatest of sinners that upon their repentance, he will draw them into the closest and nearest relationship with himself. Jesus and the gospel are for everyone. When we look at this genealogy and see that Jesus didn't come through this line because everyone was so righteous, he came in spite of, of their righteousness. It reminds us that, that Jesus didn't come through this righteous line of men because Jesus didn't come to save the righteous, he came to save the sinner. Jesus himself says in Luke 5, 32, I have, come, I have not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call the sinners to repentance. The Apostle Paul in, in 1 Timothy 1.15 says, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full, of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. 
We so often stop at John 3.16 and forget John 3.17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus's family lineage is a snapshot of how defiled and unclean our, our nature is. Some of the names in this list bring remembrance to shameful and sad histories. Some of these people are never mentioned again in, in the Bible, but I'm reminded at the end of this list comes one name above every other name, the name of Jesus. Verse 16 says, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. Matthew reminds us that Jesus came for and through the immoral outcasts of humanity. That Jesus came for the outcast, and that includes you and, and I today. That unlike any other king and any other God, Jesus left his throne in heaven. He left the mountaintop and said, you guys don't need to come to me, I'm coming to you. And this family lineage shows us that, that no one, no one is beyond the reach of Jesus' sympathy, of Jesus's compassion, of Jesus's mercy and his grace and his forgiveness or his saving, that our sins may be dark and shameful, but they cannot lock us out of heaven if we repent and believe in the gospel. Here's what I, all of this means to kind of bring it to a close for us. It means this, that this Christmas season, that beyond this Christmas season, that in the mess of life and in the struggle of life, it means this, it means Jesus is who you're looking for. Jesus is who we are looking for. It's why Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In a world full of, of letdowns and in a world full of takebacks and lies and, and broken promises and deceit, Jesus is who you're looking for because he is the mighty God who always keeps his word. That there's this mighty God who hasn't forgotten about his, his promises. And this Christmas season, we need to look no further than Jesus as a reminder of being that mighty God who always does what he says he'll do. And again, if you're experiencing the mess and the hurt and the chaos of life, Look no further than this long list of names in Matthew chapter one to remember that God works through the mess and God works through the chaos and God works through the dysfunction by inserting Jesus right in the middle of it. The Jesus we're, we're looking for is because God has an overriding purpose in your life and, and mine. And it's to accomplish Jesus's purposes in and through you and I. And he's working, he's working in the darkest parts of our personal genealogy to bring his purposes to pass in our lives. And so I wanna let you know today that if you feel like an outsider, if you, if you feel like an outcast, welcome to the family. Can I introduce you to our King, Jesus the Christ? I love what David Platt has to say about this. He says, these names are included in the line that leads to Christ so that we can know our names are included in the line that leads from Christ. Listen, as we wrap up, the Jewish 
nation missed him. The Messiah was right in front of them and they couldn't see him. They were so enamored with this promise of a Messiah who would rule with military might that they missed the Messiah who would rule with grace and redeem. Don't miss him today. Jesus is the one we're looking for. And dare I say, Jesus is the one the world is looking for, even if they don't realize it. So as we move through this Christmas season, here's the challenge for each one of us. Amongst the shopping and the baking and the work parties and the school programs and the family get-togethers and the social events, Matthew reminds us that the gospel is not good advice. He reminds us that the gospel is good news for everyone. That a key part of, of the Christmas story is God in his mercy doing for sinners what we could not do for ourselves, reminding us that, that Jesus came to heal broken lives and to restore shattered hopes. And each one of us, because the door is open just a little more at Christmas time than any other time of the year, have a responsibility. We have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to say, hey, I'm not missing Jesus and I don't want you to miss him either. And to take this good news of Jesus, the Christ, the good news of Jesus, the Messiah, of Jesus, the King, to those around us this Christmas season. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we thank you for your goodness toward us. And Lord, how, how amazing that you broke into human history and did so by inserting yourself into our mess and our struggle and using and working through broken people just like us. God, I pray that this long list of names in Matthew chapter one would remind us today that you are faithful and that you keep your promises, that you, you never miss. You're 100% all of the time. God, some of us need reminded of that today. God, some of us need reminded that the gospel, that Jesus is for everyone. We need reminded of that in our own lives today. Maybe we need to be reminded of that in someone we're trying to reach with the gospel or share Jesus to today. Help us to be the hands and, and feet of taking that gospel to those who need it. And God, today, today I can't help but think that maybe, maybe someone is sitting here that's saying, I'm the outcast, I'm the outsider. You don't know my history. You don't know my past. You don't know my, my lineage. I wanna let you know today that if you, that's been keeping you from Jesus, let it keep you from him no more. That you can come to him today. That today you can come to Jesus, the one who understands, the one who says he will give you a new heart, he will make you a new creation, he will forgive you, he will remove your sins from east to west and he will make you as, as white as snow. If that's you today, you can put your faith and trust in Jesus right where you're seated just by calling out to him, saying, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, I'm choosing you today. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my past. I wanna follow you 
heal me and lead me forward. I'm choosing you today to be my king, to be my Lord, and I desire to follow you. And Lord, as we close up today, thank you. Thank you that in Jesus, no other king would do what Jesus did. That no other king is worthy of, of praise like Jesus. No other king would step down into humanity, into human history and do what Jesus did. And so as we close this morning, Lord, and we close in song this morning and we sing the truth of that today, may we sing and do so with all of our heart and with praise to you and you alone. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.